The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Well, we got a big matchup coming up here. Monday Night Football, the Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Buffalo Bills. I'm Anthony Cazenza. I don't know if there were some tef- technical difficulties on the intro there. I apologize if so. I am playing with some backup equipment, backup venue, all kinds of different stuff. But we are here. We're here to talk about the big game. Bengals versus Bills. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by the the brains of the operation, the talent of the operation, John Sharon. What's going on, John? We're in the middle of two big holidays here and sandwiched uh, actually just, I guess just after the, the next new year, both these teams look to ring in the new year, right? With a win and major playoff implications on the line. Yeah. You know what? A lot of stuff going on holidays, new years, big football games. Sometimes, sometimes saying nothing is just as impactful. Sometimes you just got to take a breath. Sometimes you just got to stare off into the distance and that's how you start a show. I, I guess is that yeah is that what, we, what was happening? I mean, I, I <laughs> we thought we had this thing fully under control again. I'm playing with backup equipment today, so we're just doing the best we can. Uh, I am uh, actually out of town, and um, John's been doing some family stuff, but we still wanted to get a show to everybody with the big game coming on, and obviously a different day than we usually go, different time than we usually go. But again, we got to give the people what they want. But at any rate, here's. Here's the deal, John. Uh, the Bengals are coming into this one, as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier this week when we did the aftermath uh, with the Bengals win over the Patriots. They are uh, coming into this one a little a little limpy. Uh, that you know, Leal Collins now placed officially on IR as of Friday afternoon. Um, there's some news at right tackle there that we'll have to talk about in terms of uh, who's going to get the nod there, and then of course. We talked a little bit about it the other day, Andrew Whitworth. There was a little more chatter on that last night with the uh, the Amazon crew talking about <laughs> it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, here we are. We'll, we'll pull up the injury report for folks here. Hopefully the equipment will let us do that, that I'm working with here. But, uh, you know, I guess that's a, as good of a place to start as any in terms of offensive line injury report and all kinds of good stuff there. So the Bengals just had one guy not practice yesterday, and it was Leo Collins. And like Anthony said, he's now officially on injured reserve with that torn ACL. So his recovery starts as soon as his surgery happens in the near future. Other than that, 
Bengals only had one other guy not practice fully, and that was Sam Hubbard. So he was on the rehab field, I believe, today, going through extra work before practice and then practicing with the team for as much as he can. And he was talking to reporters saying, yeah, it's frustrating being sitting on the couch, not playing. I want to be out there. And it looks like he's taking all the necessary steps to return here after just one game of absence with that calf injury. And it's, it should be noted that <clears throat> excuse me, he suffered that calf injury all the way back in October. I believe it was the Browns game back in week eight. So it ended up not being very as serious to have him like miss multiple weeks or anything like that uh, in the middle of the season. But then it just kind of re-aggravated itself against Tampa Bay. So this is something that I think he's been kind of dealing with on the, on the low for a while now. And it just ended up being too bad to the point where he couldn't play through it for a week and a half. But he's, again, going through the motions right now and trying to work back into the starting lineup. But other than that, you had Jalen Davis, who's missed the past couple of days with a thumb injury. He, he was a full participant to start the week. Hayden Hurst, maybe the biggest news in terms of guys who can be, who, who can return. He's missed the past three weeks with also a calf injury as well. And he was probably like a game-time decision against the Patriots. And Zach Taylor said because of the short rest, because that game was on Saturday, they weren't necessarily comfortable with him going, especially in the freezing cold temperatures. Didn't want him to cramp up or anything like that. So he's looking like he's going to return. And Trent Taylor, who's listed on the injury report with a hamstring injury, he was a full participant. So really, it's just it's Lel, and they've known that they've had to go without him for the better part of a week now. They're game playing with that, and hopefully they can get that full stable of defenders back with Sam Hubbard as well. Les Hernandez, this is not a Ravens color shirt. This is a blue shirt. Uh, I guess it is a Bills shirt, but I like the color, though. It kind of pops with my skin tone. And then we got the Bills injury report. Josh Allen, he's been dealing with this UCL injury. I don't, I don't know the the specifics of it. I, I guess it's something that baseball pitchers kind of deal with as well. But he's been dealing with that since, I guess, the Jets game all the way back in Week 10. And, yeah, he's just kind of fighting through it. So he's still listed on on the injury report. But the Bills have a ton of other potential issues that they have to worry about, most notably Jordan Poyer. He's their only starting safety left on the field. And he's been out with a knee injury this week. He did not practice Thursday, nor did he practice on a Friday. Jordan Phillips, Dawson Knox, Matt Milano, all on defense. They're limited with their respective injuries. But I guess, Anthony, the good news would would be that you have Mitch Mitch Morse coming back with a concussion. He's been out for several weeks with uh, just on the concussion protocol, but he was a full participant on Thursday. So both teams right now going back and forth in terms of like trying to get guys back into the lineup, trying to, you know, rehab as quickly as possible. And it looks it looks like for the most part both these teams would be pretty healthy. Yeah, we joked about it a little bit. The uh, the calf injury is kind of a weird, you know, calf injury is kind of the new knee injury at this point, right? I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> it's been plaguing a lot of people and uh, costing some players some time. I think Hayden Hurst coming back is going to be probably a pretty big have a pretty big impact, and having these teams both full go. Um, will will definitely you know bring a lot more luster to this game as if there isn't already enough. So at, at any rate, um, your thoughts on your thoughts on the right tackle situation now that Leo Collins is on injured reserve. You talked about you know what's what's happening there. So um, I mean I don't know. I, we, it's been a lot of Hakeem Adenogy talk. Isaiah Prince entered the chat later this week. And so, uh, I don't know, your, your take on the situation there is the Bengals try and find the best formula here because uh, Zach Taylor mentioned it this week. You know, it's been – it's a bummer about Lael because it's really been about the communication, this group gelling together. And now, you know, their big ticket guy, kind of their their mauler in the run game a little bit, is now a guy that's that's on IR and they've got to figure it out between two guys here and, uh, you know, 
one of them played late into the postseason last year and really struggled. Yeah, I guess we should bring people up to speed if they haven't already seen what's going on over Twitter. Lel Collins goes down. Hakeem Adeniji, he's been active as a swing tackle for the entire year. He's gone in for Jonah Williams. He's gone in for Lel during the season. He has experienced both tackle spots. So he finished the game against the Patriots at right tackle. He's allowed, I think he allowed five pressures and 40-something snaps. He was very on and off. But again, being thrown into the fire like that is not always the ideal situation. So this week happens, and it's assumed that Hakeem Adeniji is going to start at right tackle just because he's the next man up. He's got the most prep time, practice time, practice reps with the first team when Lael hasn't been practicing on Wednesdays, usually with a rest day. So that was the assumption. And then Zach Taylor didn't officially announce Hakeem Adeniji as the starter in the beginning of the week at practice. I believe he was asked about it and didn't really want to comment on it. And Joe Burrow was asked about the right tackle situation, and he name-dropped <laughs> Isaiah Prince, called him Zay, but everyone can kind of put context clues and think that that's not Hakeem Adeniji that he's referring to. It's Isaiah Prince, who started at right tackle to end the last year in the final few games of the regular season, the playoffs, Super Bowl, all that jazz. He's been on the practice squad for the better part of this season. I believe he was, I think, waived early on and then brought back onto the practice squad. So he's been with the scout team, he's been with the second team, he's gotten those reps at that spot, and like you said, that's where he was with this offensive line, or with last year's offensive line, so he does have experience starting in these games, and these moments, down towards the stretch, and they haven't still haven't made an announcement yet, there's been some clips and reports from practice, I believe Friday, of Isaiah Prince working with the first team offensive line at tackle, but they're continuing to rotate Akeem Adeniji. And then, Anthony, there was the comment from Brian Callahan that stated that it's not out of the question that they could rotate potentially three guys in that spot. Isaiah Prince, Akeem Adeniji, and Dante Smith, who's been, for the most part, a healthy scratch for the better part of this season because he's just not one of the best eight offensive linemen that they have. But now he might have to be because you don't have Leo Collins. So I think right now the situation is completely still up in the air. I think they're working under the, the presumption that they want Prince in that spot for, I guess, the specific traits that he has compared to Hakeem Adeniji and the fact that he has that experience over him at that spot. But I, I really think this is going to come down in, up until Monday night to make this decision, and they're going to try to work with all three of these guys, or at least all both Adeniji and Prince, just to see what the better option is all the way up to that game. I mean, it, so <laughs> I saw a comment, uh, and I think it was Burrow who said it, uh, talking about the, the offensive linemen and, you know, uh, when he talked about Prince, he kind of said, he's a guy who's played a lot for us. And I, I just kind of thought, well, I, I, that's just an observation. That's not real. I don't, I don't know if there's much of a compliment in that. I mean, again, it's it, it could be taken out of context and whatnot, but it's just, yeah, he has played a lot for you because out of necessity, I don't know exactly uh, if that's, an indictment or a compliment or just a matter of fact, but the Cincinnati Bengals need to figure out something that works well for them and uh, find a way to get by at that position because Collins, I mean, he didn't have a perfect season by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you know, definitely an improvement off of what, what we've seen last year and the years prior at that position and a guy that, you know, did bring some semblance of steadiness throughout uh, throughout the season. And now the Bengals are kind of scrambling. And hopefully, you know, with this offense beginning to kind of click in a lot of different respects, you're hoping that someone can just kind of slide in there, maybe not be as good as Leo Collins, but maybe provide some just 
a semblance of steadiness and, uh, you know, the, able to not let the offense stumble and have that position be spotlighted in a negative way. I, th- I think there's two things that comes that comes down with this. It's the nature of the position that you're replacing, the the options that you have to replace, but also like the margin, the the difference between these two replacements. I believe are pretty negligible. So like we, we've seen this defense overcome a lot of adversity. You had should have been Woozy go down for half yeah. a year. You had DJ Reader, Josh Tupo go down for a combined eleven games. Only three starters on defense have played all fifteen games, and they've just managed to survive. I I equated them to a Hydra in this week's uh, weekly alignment, just because whenever you cut off one head, two more pop up, and it, it keeps the whole unit afloat. It's not the same in offensive line. It's not the same at any offensive line position, especially one on the edge going up against the best pass rushers in the NFL. And we've seen in the past, like whether it's the Bengals or any other team that's kind of thriving, when you take away one offensive line spot, it becomes a weakness and a liability for other teams to key in on. And that's more of a glaring weak spot than any position really on defense, maybe aside from cornerback. And even still, like, yeah, Awuzie uh, went down in the middle of the season, but they had a second-round pick in Cam Taylor-Britt that they were developing. They obviously felt really highly of him to be drafted that high, and he has shown the capability of playing like a starter. And he, already, he already had those attributes come into the league. They don't have that caliber of backup at offensive tackle. Like, there's a reason why. I distinctly remember in the, in the preseason, specifically training camp, fans were just clowning Adenji and Prince, wanting both of them to be cut. Because, again, like they had rough moments, uh, not only last year, but leading up to this season, and there were major questions about the depth. And now I'm seeing, like, oh, why are you, why are you going to Isaiah Prince when Adenji's there? Like, I don't think there's that big of a difference between both of these guys. It's just a matter of, I think, their playing style. Because Adenji is more of a lighter player a lighter uh, blocker he is not as susceptible to speed around the edge but he doesn't have as much power and as much length whereas Prince he's probably more equatable to Lel because he does have a little more power in his game but he can also lose to speed around the edge so maybe the decision to going with Prince here isn't isn't necessarily because he's a considerably better or worse player than Adenogy but he just plays the game and he plays the position a lot similar to Lel so there's not that big of an adjustment from the offense and from Burrow's part he he feels like the same kind of pressure I, I would assume and would expect the same type of losses and wins from that position compared to Lel. so the difference between these two probably not that much it might just come down to preference and style though the last uh, the last thing any of us want though is kind of seeing a little bit I, I don't like to say happy feet with Joe Burrow because he seems to still navigate the pocket well and doesn't seem to get rattled uh, even with the worst pressure situations g- coming against him but you know, I, I the last thing I think any of us want to see is kind of that what we saw in the postseason last year when you're talking about the Titans game, you're talking about obviously how the Super Bowl ended where it was a quarterback hit. You know, I mean, you just you don't want to see that take place because of a loss of personnel. But this is, you know, even though the Bengals are getting really healthy this week and getting a couple of nice surprises potentially in Hurst and, and Hubbard, Hurst, I think you mentioned it, said basically 100 percent I'm playing. Uh, and, and so Hubbard, you know, that was a nice kind of surprise. We thought maybe that was uh, shelving for the postseason, that sort of thing. But, uh, he, you know, he's been doing some things, so we'll see what happens this week. But, you know, I mean, it, they've got a couple of nice surprises. But with that, hand in hand comes the, you know, the Lael news. And that's a, that's a big loss, particularly because they spent so much capital rebuilding the offensive line. But like you said, I think it, that, that's a really good point in terms of style of play. What you're going to want to do is even though these players, uh, I mean, God bless them. I'm not trying to slight them. They might both be lesser players than Lael Collins at this point in their careers. 
um, you, you do stylistically want to go with the guy that probably most resembles the guy you lost. And that way you can, you know, kind of keep the, the ship running in the, in the same direction it's been. Uh, the good news, I guess, if there is some, is that there are options. So if there, you know, I, I would assume that if, if someone goes in, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I assume, you know, one of these guys gets the job, I would assume there's a pretty short, you know, leash in terms of performance there. They can't. They just cannot let things get to the point that they were last season on the offensive line. Well, I think that's what Callahan was kind of alluding to when he talked about potentially rotating these guys. And and I think a lot of people can remember 2017 when they had major issues to tackle. They were rotating like Jake Fisher and Cedric Obwehi and Andre Smith in at like a single spot. It was like a game against the Packers where they, they were just freaking horrendous because that's that's not an ideal option. You don't want offensive linemen consistently going in and out even if it's just that one spot, like the chemistry with that line is very important. And I feel like that's still the advantage that identity has just because he's practiced more with the first team right next to Alex Kappa again on Wednesdays when Lel hasn't been practicing. And again, he has starting experience at least this year at both of those spots. So that I think still plays into his favor. But like you said, it's just a matter of like how, like what? What's the least amount of adjustment that that we can make here from our scheme, from our personnel, from from all those sorts of things? What What is the move that makes this offense most comfortable? And like you said, Joe Burrow most comfortable. What Which guy does he want in there? That means that like I, I'm not going to have to completely change the way that that I play quarterback and that I sense pressure and everything like that. And also there's also a sense that like maybe they just wanted energy more as that sixth offensive lineman. He works really well in that sense. Like he's done well, I guess, in playing in pinches, coming in for injuries and whatnot. But as a sixth blocker, as an extra blocker in those jumper packages, that's where he's been doing really well this year as basically like an extra tight end. So maybe they don't want to take that away from him. They want to keep him where he's doing best. And they've kept Isaiah Prince on the practice squad just in case a situation like this has come up. They like him more as, as a starter compared to maybe a first tackle off the bench. So it's about the least amount of changing that you can do as possible. Talking some offensive line and different things as the Bengals get set to host the Bills at Paycor Stadium on Monday night football marquee matchup coming around the, the bend here for the new year. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. I'm playing with all kinds of backup equipment today. So if you saw the... the He's going mobile. Yeah, I guess. If you saw the tweaked intro and obviously you're seeing a, a cropped photo of me, a, a video stream of me, that's not usually how I do things, but... I'm away from my usual setup. I'm away from my usual venue. So I'm doing what I can. And I appreciate John being the guy that keeps it, keeps it afloat. Here, speaking of keeping things afloat, John's keeping it afloat with his immaculate setup there. Uh, I'm not seeing Randall, though. Is he cropped out of the, the photo? Oh, there he is. He's hanging in the background. There he is. He's, he, the white jacket's having him blend it against that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I didn't see him so great. Uh, but at any rate. You can get this show. It's not usually like this. If you're new, it's not usually like this. I promise you. This is a fl- the fluky deal right before the new year. But regardless, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major audio platforms, as well as on video via the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. You can give that a thumbs up. As And our Orange and Black Insider Bengals Podcast YouTube channel, there is a little icon if you're watching the live stream underneath the SB Nation Cincy Jungle logo and John's window there. You can click that uh, to subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We'll have a lot of stuff. We're going to have some pretty fun stuff coming up for the playoffs here. Fun guests, 
new shows, all kinds of different stuff. So we'll be lining all that stuff up for you. And uh, you won't be seeing me doing this via mobile. We'll, 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 we'll have it. We'll have it more professionally set up. I promise. I promise. Fluke deal today. I promise. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But regardless, um, let's kind of talk a little bit more about what you what you just said. You know, you, you mentioned the jumbo package. You mentioned you know, the Bengals doing different things uh, up front to maybe minimize some of the pressure, take away some of the edge weapons that other teams have. Obviously, Rousseau's in there now. No Von Miller for Buffalo. That's a big loss for them. Rousseau can can get after it a little bit, though. And, uh, you know, the Bills' defense is just pretty stout. I, I know we've seen the jumbo package. The old, I love to call it the Dennis Rowland package. The tackle <laughs> eligible, big, big guy, extra big guy out there. I'm wondering now with Hurst back and Will Cox kind of starting to slowly prove himself a bit in a couple of different facets, you know, short, short yardage target, as well as, a little, you know, doing a little bit in the blocking game. Might the Bengals do a little bit more two tight end sets going forward to kind of mask a little bit what's going on at the right tackle position, have someone in there, maybe a Wilcox in there as a chipper and or, a, you know, hey, let's get the ball out quick, get a couple of yards out of there if we feel the pressure's coming. Uh, and then you also have Hurst back to kind of work the intermediate, the seams, that sort of thing. Do you envision the Bengals going that route on offense as kind of a remedy for Collins being out? Not necessarily. I really do feel like they're trying to um, keep as many things the same as possible despite this. I feel like with Greg Rousseau, who even when Von Miller was healthy, like he was producing at a similar rate compared to Von Miller. And, and both of them kind of win in, in different differing ways. But regardless who was at right tackle, I felt like the Bills had the advantage in this in this particular matchup because of, unfortunately, the way that Lael Collins has been playing this year. So I think in the beginning of the game, you won't see very many changes with the Bengals. The Bengals still live in 11 personnel, and the Bills still live in nickel. So that's going to be the strength versus strength type of matchup that you're going to see. 
And that right tackle, that's usually, again, you know, that side of the formation is usually the strong side. That's, so that's where Hurst is going to be for more times than not, like, attached to the line. So maybe they can give him a chip here and there for Isaiah Prince. But if the game progresses in a, in a way where Isaiah Prince is just getting his butt kicked and maybe they go to Badenji and nothing's really changing, maybe then they go to more of a heavy personnel look. And like you said, um, I, th- I think the fact that Wilcox has had so much experience this season as a starter and just getting more exposure to him. Maybe they trust him more and they want to go to into 12 personnel. Maybe that's an adjustment too, to, to get the bills out of their nickel <clears throat> personnel and, you know, have forced them to uh, use more linebackers, maybe use three safeties in there, kind of heavy up the box a little bit. So maybe take advantage of, of some downfield opportunities because they could be playing with two backup safeties in this game. And I feel like the Bengals are as good of any team as ter- in terms of picking their shots to attack deep. And if, they're running into protection issues where they need to get the ball out quick. So they, they turn to the run game. They try to see if they can attack the exterior of this Bills defense because you can't really run up the middle against uh, Daquan Jones now and Ed Oliver right now. If they try to pick their spots and then attack deep out of those heavy personnel packages, I feel like that is a good adjustment. But I feel like out of the gate, they're going to be trying to just do whatever they can to just make sure that everything stays afloat. Well, I mean, I think now then you you put out a good tweet on your account that I saw a little. I you know I haven't been on Twitter very much. I've kind of been unplugging a little bit, but I saw that you put out something that was pretty unique, basically, <laughs> kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing with with Josh Allen as it goes with, um, you know, as as it goes with facing him as a defense. So I mean, we've talked so much about the Bengals' offense, the offensive line, what they're going to do. And um, we'll get to predictions and key players and all that kind of stuff a, a little bit further down the road here. But, I mean, as as we look at this from a defensive perspective and we look at what the Bengals need to do against the Buffalo Bills, I almost wonder, because the arm strength, because the, the pocket ability, ability to get out and run the football, I almost wonder if you just kind of carbon copy in a lot of ways what you've done against the Kansas City Chiefs in this one uh, and and kind of if you're Luana Rumo, that is, and, and try and implement that once again where you kind of play a little bit more contained from the edges. And this is going to be an interesting one this week too because at best you're going to get limited snaps from Sam Hubbard. Um, you're probably going to get a little bit of that as well from Trey Hendrickson uh, to, to try and keep him as fresh and healthy as possible with his wrist still healing. So if you're Lou Anarumo, I, I, I'm wondering if you uh, kind of still, even with the you know defensive issues, if you're still kind of going to do some of the same mindset or same approach on defense that you did against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's definitely the most interesting part of this matchup because like the best part of watching the Bengals defense is not knowing what you're going to get. It's a mystery box. And that's, that's the beauty of it. That's why quarterbacks of all kinds have had uh, issues kind of adjusting to it and finishing games on a high note. Maybe some quarterbacks can get out of the gate on a hot start. But as we've seen this year, the second half, like the defense just tightens up and there are just quality adjustments that are made consistently. I I feel like the, the cool thing about this is that, yeah, like, Mahomes and Allen are similar players, but they've struggled against different things. I want to cite uh, the Athletic Football Show for providing this wonderful information that I'm going I'm going to paraphrase and not just blatantly copy them or anything like that. But against the Blitz, like Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL to do that, and that's why the Bengals don't normally blitz Patrick Mahomes in those yeah. meetings. This year, Josh Allen has been very middle of the road against the blitz he hasn't been getting the ball out as quick he hasn't been making good decisions and part of that is just 
being able to find like wh- where your hot read is, like where the blitz is coming from the pre-snap phase and identifying where that vacancy is in the defense. And Allen has not been good at picking that up. And unfortunately, he's made some mistakes off of it. I think he's like his e-paper plays right next to Kenny Pickett against the blitz. You never want to be next to a rookie quarterback <laughs> in that particular yeah. stat. And, yeah. uh, and also like w- uh, what they talked about was man coverage tendencies and how frequent uh, defenses have been using man coverage against Allen on third down. He's just behind, I think, Zach Wilson for like, seeing the most man coverage on third down, which is an indictment of not really trusting the quarterback to, you know, make those decisions really quick and just not giving them anything easy to start. Cause typically you want to just drop the safeties back and just live in zone. Eyes towards the quarterback, especially when you have a quarterback in Allen that can break from the pocket and make these incredible runs. No, most defenses are just playing man against them when they need to convert first downs. And if something isn't open quickly, then Allen typically tries to make something out of nothing and his arm and his legs kind of allow him to do that sometimes. But I'm interested to see if the Bengals try to go into more man coverage, mixing that up with dropping Nate, because I'm sure they're going to do that as well. They're not going right. to try to give them anything too easy. But Allen, when you speed him up, he, honestly, he's kind of struggled this year. He is the ultimate both sides of the spectrum quarterback. He makes the best. He makes the most amount of these crazy throws on top of making the most amount of dumbfounding throws. And I, honestly, that's probably the key of the game. It's just taking advantage of whenever Allen just gives you that mistake mistake worthy throw that he tries to fit into double coverage and i think the Bengals might be more aggressive in this game than they have against other great quarterbacks well uh, yeah i mean i i think we saw you know he got off to that real hot, hot start at the beginning of the year where he was you know just ta- you know taking care of the football you know things were just uncoverable and then they kind of went on that little streak in the middle of the season i could think of the minnesota game and other games that you know he just was a little careless with the football and i think there was i, I don't want to I don't like to say panic because I, you know, I'm not in that person's head, but I mean, once you kind of see a little bit sometimes from players, something, it, it resembles a little bit panic. Right. So mm. I, I think, I think that you're spot on with, with what you've said about the, the blitzing and Allen being, you know, kind of middle of the roadish on that. The thing is though, is if the Bengals do occasionally bring pressure, if they occasionally do get home with Hubbard, Hendrickson, whomever, uh, the Bengals need to beware of the Roethlisberger effect with him. And what I mean by that, he's much more nimble than, than Roethlisberger really ever was, but it's the same kind of deal because of his big size, his immense size and his ability to, to ad lib, you know, as plays kind of break down and and do some different things. If the Bengals get hands on him, they gotta, they gotta find ways to bring him down around initial contact because He'll, he'll escape, and then that's when things go haywire in the back of the secondary. If you think you got it under control, guy, you know, after, after the quarterback seems like he's going to be in the grasp or, or get down to the ground, all of a sudden someone else breaks. He, the quarterback breaks free, and then someone in the back end of the field break, breaks free, and then there, there's a big play that you've been trying to limit. So that's something the Bengals' defense definitely needs to be aware of this week as well. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this defense for the Bengals, like they are just kings of taking away what you do best, right? Which is why yeah. no real, no, no number one receiver for any offense has really gone off against them, and uh, particularly they're really good against the run. But the chess match, the chess match here is that a lot of teams against the Bills, they ch- they try to widen their rushes because they they're trying their best to contain. Josh Allen that's allowed their rushing efficiency to kind of increase because you're just widening the defensive line which makes it easier for blocks to just you know clear out and just gain easy leverage against them so James Cook and Devin Singletary have been really efficient running the ball of late because they just they the Bills have just 
taking advantage of that. They've just adjusted accordingly, and they've gotten efficiency out of the run game recently, which hasn't been the case early on the season. And when it comes to your number one option, obviously, I I love Stefan Diggs. I feel like he's for as good as he is, I feel like he's still the most underrated receiver just because of how much of an impact he's made for that offense. But I'm not particularly worried about in this game, not, not because I think Eli Apple or Cam Taylor Bridge are going to shut him down, but I think there's going to be a ton of attention on him. Jesse Bates and Von Bell, I think Bates specifically have stated that they're going to stay a little bit further back in this game and just not creep up a little bit, despite the threat of Allen running. Like They know that Diggs and Gabriel Davis can get behind them in an instant, and that's why, like to me, knowing how much attention is going to be on Diggs, Davis... Gabe Davis becomes the biggest question mark in this game because his connection with Allen on those deep posts, on those deep and breaking routes, like it's been money for the better part of two years now. And unfortunately, while the Bengals have done well against number one receivers, number two receivers is not the same story. Look at Kendrick Bourne this past week. He had six receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. So whether it's Taylor Bread or Eli Apple guarding Gabe Davis on either side of the formation, that is where I see potential issues with this one. It's it's long developing plays where the defense gets a little bit too aggressive and they lose in their zone a little bit. And all Gabe Davis needs is just a step and Allen will put it right on the money. It'll be a 60 yard handoff on a freaking laser rope. So <laughs> obviously Allen runs, is going to be a problem as well. I feel like you just have to accept that he's going to break off a couple of them. It's going to extend a drive and it's going to get create points when normally against another quarterback, you would stop, but eliminating the big plays that Gabe Davis might be the key in this game for the Bengals. But that, that, that's I go back to, the defensive game plan against the the Kansas city chiefs, what the Bengals have done there. And this one, because I mean, the chiefs have some decent running backs some pretty good ones that can do a lot of different things. And the bills, you know, kind of the same thing. You got Singletary there and, you know, they can, they can pop some, some good plays here and there, but really, I mean, Allen is kind of one of their most potent weapons on the ground. And then of course, you know, like you said, the weapons at wide receiver, Dawson Knox, et cetera, I mean, they've got some pass catchers that can do some damage. So, you know, that's uh, when when you look at this one, I mean, it, 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 it just there's a lot of similarities to these two teams in terms of the amount of points they can put up, the amount of weapons they have, and maybe a running game that is kind of their uh, secondary or, you know, a running back. A running back it, themselves could be like a, a third type of option or afterthought uh in this offense it's 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 allen and it's the receivers you know it's allen and the pass catchers that's that's kind of what it seems like and it's, it's been weird too because like i feel like dawson knox singletary davis like they are great complementary options but sometimes when Diggs doesn't have these remarkable games the offense kind of sputters a little bit and part of that is allen trying to make something out of nothing and that just leads to these inconsistent performances. But even last week against the Bears, it was one of Allen's worst games of the season. They still scored 32 points against them. Now, the Bears aren't the 85 Bears. You know, they don't have a great defense necessarily, but that's the danger of this team. Even when things aren't going particularly their way, they still end up finding a surplus of points yeah. and just explosive plays. Like, that's that's literally Josh Allen's game. You, you take the occasion, like the one to two guaranteed dumb throws per game, and maybe they get intercepted, maybe they don't, because you take that because there are going to be three or four otherworldly type plays and throws and runs that he creates that basically no other quarterback in the NFL can make. Like Mahomes and Allen, or Mahomes and Herbert, excuse me, might have the same level of arms, but they don't have the ability to extend and then become a runner and force your defense to play 11 on 11. And even still, like Allen's arm, I think, might just be the most powerful that I've ever seen. Like maybe Brett Favre comes close, and maybe Brett Favre is a little bit better, but. It really does force you to defend 100 yards 
of the field, whether it's in the backfield and containing Allen. And that's why Logan Wilson's going to be so imperative in this one. He practices against Allen all throughout those years in, in Wyoming. This is the first time yeah. these two are going to play against each other. But deciding when to go man, deciding when to go blitz, deciding when to pressure Allen with, with blitz, deciding when to stay back in zone, it's going to be back and forth for 60 minutes, which is why this game is as hyped as it is. So we've talked about offense. We've talked about defense. There's a third phase to football, John Sharon. And in games like this, which could end up being very close, which could be determined by one possession, special teams plays a role, whether it's a big punt return, kick return, or, of course, what the kickers can and cannot do. I don't know if it's time for an Evan McPherson conversation based on what happened last week. I think we also have a lot of faith in Money Mac, and especially from deep distances. But it's been... You know, earlier this year, there was some struggles, and we, on this show, actually, we pointed out that, man, he was basically a field goal and an extra point around the same spot. At the, I think it was at the bye week, right? We looked at we looked at everything, and we said, I mean, he's right around where he was last year, and nobody was really complaining because there were game-winning kicks. There were, you know, 50-plus yarders on the regular, that sort of thing. We've seen him be pretty steady in this second half, save for you know, last week and, you know, maybe a hiccup here and there one time. But uh, this is a game where the Bengals can ill afford McPherson's struggles from last week to continue because they can't leave five points on the board up against the Buffalo Bills in this offense. They just cannot. Um, he's going to need to be, I mean, I I would think close to perfect in this one to, to, to get this, to for the Bengals to get the win and move up in the playoff seating. Well, I don't, I don't <clears throat> excuse me, geez, my throat's been weird today. I don't want to jinx it, but because it is Ohio weather and it could change in an instant, but I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to be a lot warmer than it is than it was in New England back on Saturday. It's projected to be mid to high 50s, maybe some rain. There's going to be a chance of rain all throughout the weekend. So much easier kicking conditions compared to when the ball is a literal rock and you have these weird gusts of winds in, in a single end zone. I, I guess with, with McPherson, like I'm not, I'm still not worried about it yet, just because the five previous games leading up to last week, he was ten for ten, he was solid. And thirteen yeah. for fourteen from extra point. But because he had that lull in the in the middle of the season, which is where this conversation originally started, like this is now the second data point that we have in this sophomore season where he has been inconsistent. Like whether or not he has lost like his money max title or whatever. Like th that doesn't really matter. Like he, at the end of the day, he's still been up and down and that's just the reality sometimes with these kickers. Uh, basically everyone aside from Justin Tucker has gone through similar you know peaks and valleys. And even Justin Tucker this year has been blocked like three times and he's yeah. missed some kicks or whatnot. So maybe it's just a weird year for kickers for McPherson though, when the conditions are fine, like I still would trust them over most other kickers in this league. And I feel like he has this great ability to bounce back to rarely is he, below average or untrustworthy for multiple weeks in a row. And with the conditions being better, I feel like he, he'll be fine this week. And again, if he misses he misses a 43-yarder by an inch, like it is what it is. It's part of the margin of error. But that's another similarity, Anthony, with his two teams because Tyler Bass, I think, probably has is one of the few kickers in the NFL, I think, with an even stronger leg than McPherson. So that's a weapon that the Bengals have to be, take into account for as well. Yeah, on the other side of things, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I think the other thing, too, is the expectation level with McPherson, and that was based upon what he did in the postseason. I mean, he was absolutely perfect, and he was there. I mean, you could argue is one of their biggest, quote-unquote, offensive weapons based on the fact that they were struggling getting into the end zone a lot of times in the in the postseason. And then, of course, 
you know, when you look at the big kicks to win games, Tennessee, Kansas City, that sort of thing. I mean, he's the guy that you go, wow, okay, Money Mac, there it is. And then, of course, then you, then it bleeds into the next season. He's had some good kicks. Then there's been a couple of struggles that have kind of resembled what, what he had as a rookie a little bit. So, you know, it's more about, you know, being solid down the stretch and making the kicks against these really good teams as you go forward. But still, I mean, I guess just coming off of that game, I know the elements were really crazy last week. So it's hard to really get too hard on him, especially when the home kicker had issues of his own. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to get super down on him. But, I mean, the reality is the Bengals just can't. When you're going to start playing the Bills, the Ravens, and maybe again in the postseason, you just you can't leave five points on the board, um, you know, and, and squander free point opportunities or, you know, point opportunities that you, you should have in a lot of different respects. So something to watch for this week for sure. Uh, let's talk a little as we start to kind of wrap things up a little bit for the weekend, John. Let's talk a little under the radar players. Let's talk a little uh, key players this week and whatnot. Who are... I don't know if you want to give me, I guess, one or two uh, under the radar type of guy. I mean, because we talked about right tackle, that's going to be under the microscope. Talked about the kicker. Obviously, there's Burrow and the star wide receivers, a lot of the star players for Buffalo. Who are some of the under the radar guys or guys we are not thinking about top of mind that are going to be big in your eyes? Um, Maybe maybe one one offense, one defense. You want to do that? Sure. So I'll start with defense just because. Like we've talked ad nauseum now about the Bengals' potential issues at right tackle. We don't know who's going to start there. But the Bills have probably more issues to deal with on their own offensive line. That's been kind of part of Allen's struggles is maybe he doesn't always protect or trust the protection that's in front of him. For the most part, like again, like he's been playing with a backup center in Ryan Bates. Like Deion Dawkins has been solid. But other than that, you're looking at at least two to three starters for the Bills that have been liabilities and i'm looking at spencer brown who is a second year player came out of like northern iowa so small school guy still getting to you know be acclimated with this technique i feel like last week cam sample proved a lot and an expanded role for the first time in his career It it was his first career start he only missed i think three snaps for that defense so it was just another example of how this defense can lose a key a really key player whether it's a starter or a rotational piece and the next guy steps in and it's almost like there's no drop off and sample i really think proved that at least last week against uh the, the patriots right tackle i believe his last name is mcdermott's but again him and, and spencer brown are more or less similar players with similar strengths so if it's cam sample out there again for an, an injured sam hubbard we don't know if he's going to be uh, playing or not i, I think cam sample is going to have another good game because the matchup right there is ripe for the taking and it's going to be a lot harder for Cam Sample to, you know, amass like a sack or two because it's just hard to take down Josh Allen and contain him. So the the game plan I would assume is a little bit different for these defensive linemen because that is the priority to make sure that Allen doesn't break off with one of these plays. But I feel like that's a matchup uh, for Cam Sample that or Sam Hubbard if he does end up playing that that should be exploitable for the Bengals. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so you had cam cam sample and or I was I was going back to you for that one. Okay, I was gonna say I didn't hear a second one there. Okay, so I defense then. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Uh, I, I guess Mike Hilton and or, you know, a, a third defensive back out there, maybe maybe Trey Flowers. Is a, a, the reason is, is, you know, a guy we didn't talk about is Isaiah McKenzie, a wide receiver for the Bills that doesn't isn't a big play guy, but is a guy that he's got, you know, four touchdowns on the year. And as a supplemental weapon, that's a guy the Bengals need to keep an eye on in, in some regard, and especially with the offense that um, you know, that, that the Bills employ. I mean, it's going to be Gabe Davis. It's going to be Stephon Diggs. Knox is going to get his. But there's, you know, just an ancillary weapon out there that you also have to keep an eye on that, you know, it's again, it's kind of the, the mindset, like, like with the Chiefs, you, you can't you can't focus. I mean, you want to focus all, whether it's, you know, when they had Tyreek Hill, you want to double and all that kind of stuff, or Kelsey, that sort of thing. I mean, you really want to focus on their primary target. Obviously, take try and take them away from the game plan, but I mean, you know, even if you're successful at that, even if you're successful at limiting Gabe Davis, or there's some issues with whatever drops or just not connecting with, with Allen there, there's another weapon out there that can do some damage. Still not a, a, you know, a high end, high end wide receiver, but a guy that's had some moments in big games in in McKenzie. So, um, you know, I, I guess whomever will be charged with, with covering him, that's going to be, you know, whether that's Hilton or, you know, Trey Flowers or, you know, wh- whoever that might be as they go three plus wide receiver sets, that's going to be a guy to watch. Yeah. And again, like both teams, they just live out of the nickel and 11 personnel. So McKenzie's yeah. going to get a lot of runs. Sometimes they've been moving him and Stefan Diggs out of the slot, but like Diggs really does thrive on the perimeter. So anytime that you see McKenzie out, out wide, that that's that's an advantage for the Bengals to to really key in and maybe stop stop a drive here. I'm going to stick with the Bills and go back to to the defensive side of the ball. Ed, Ed Oliver got a lot of buzz coming out of Houston a few years I ago. He was, a, he was a first yeah. uh, first round pick, top ten. He really developed really nicely. Playing next to him though, Daquan Jones might be the better player right now, just because of how disruptive he is as a as a pocket uh, pusher and just gains a lot of easy penetration. I think he really does thrive in that role as a, as a one gap defender, whether it's the a gap or the B gap. And he's a really well-rounded player, like whether it's run defense or pass rush, like he does really well. And he's going to go up against, I think for the most part, Alex Kappa in this game, which leaves a young matchup between uh Cordo Volson and, and Ed Oliver on the other side of the center. But Daquan Jones is really flying under the radar as one of the best defensive players that the Buffalo bills have just as a guy that's really carved out a nice career for him. And I really feel like he's playing his best football right now for the bills. So Alex Cabo versus Daquan Jones, a definite trench battle for to watch. I've wavered back and forth on who to go to on offense for me. Um, you know, I, I, I've thought about, you know, Karras just because, you know, he was in the AFC East for so long and he kind of knows the familiarity with the bills. I thought about, um, you know, I, I, I thought about, Jonah, just because of the sack numbers that he's allowed this year and just 
as we say, Rousseau is going to go up against that right tackle most likely this week. And Rousseau is kind of their best edge guy because Von Miller's out at this point in time or most potent edge guy at this point. Um, you know, you, you kind of look at the right tackle instead of the left tackle. You know, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm still going to kind of look at uh, the whole slot receiver situation for the Bengals, Tyler Boyd, Trenton Irwin this week. And, um, you know, last week, Trenton Irwin played pretty dang well. But, you know, there was that one miss and you go, okay, would Boyd have caught that? Was that just a tad overthrown? You never, you just, oh man, for that hat trick that really would have, you know, put the game away right there. Trent Irwin stepped in really nicely. Boyd has had some great moments in big games, but that finger still seems to be bugging him uh, as evidenced by him exiting last week. So, um, you know, I'm still going to look at that slot wide receiver position of what the Bengals are or are not able to do against a pretty good defense by the Bills. Jamar Chase, man. Watch out for him. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like this is the chase game. Whether it, there's been this weird speculation, Anthony. I don't know if you've, you've caught on to it, um, but like people are asking if like Chase's demeanor is down, or maybe he's like like the vibes aren't aren't really great with him right now. Like I know, um, like the, the season is long, and sometimes you're not always as as chipper, and sometimes you don't always have these dances up your sleeves. But I feel like might some of it's a little overblown. But last game, Atiyegans had a great game, and Jamar he had that fumble that may have ultimately cost him the game had the Bengals not produced their own fumble. And I feel like, you know, sometimes you, you make these uncharacteristic mistakes and sometimes you're, you're a little um, more despondent compared to your usual uh, de- uh, disposition. But this matchup for Jamar Chase, the fact that the Bills might be playing with backup safeties on both spots. Dane Jackson is the starter opposite of Tredavious White. So White yeah. may see a lot of T. Higgins. They drafted Kyer Elam, who we talked about leading up to the draft, and he was benched, I believe, earlier this season. They needed cornerback help this offseason, and ultimately, at least this year, they're not getting any additional help. This is a prime matchup for Jamar Chase. Whenever the Bengals have seen single high coverage, they always take advantage of that, whether it is Chase or Higgins down the sideline. I feel like Chase is primed for to, to just really break out and kind of match what Stefan Diggs is going to try to do against the Bengals. So Jamar Chase versus whether it's Dane Jackson or Tredavious White, because White has not been his usual self ever since recovering from a really bad injury. I feel like this is a, a game for Jamar Chase to really pop off. Yeah, they may move him around, right? They move, may move Chase uh, around it to create opportunities for him as they've done in the past. And the demeanor thing, that's an interesting one. I haven't really heard so much about that. I guess it would be more, hey, you know, he's not the breakout superstar, you know, uh, rookie year, right? I mean, that you, you kind of go, well, what were the expectations? And he blew the doors off of it, particularly with what he di- didn't do in the preseason and in training camp, right? The drops and all that kind of stuff. And then he comes out and he has this basically the best rookie year by a wide receiver since like Randy Moss type of thing. So, and then, you know, you're riding high. They've made the Super Bowl in this year. I think between, you know, hey, we were dissatisfied with the, how the year went last year. He was hurt for, you know, gone out of the lineup for a month. Still put up some decent stats, but, you know, that hurts there. Um, but, I mean, the guy still made the Pro Bowl, whether or not he's actually going to play in it or not. Uh, he, he still made the Pro Bowl. So, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And I, I think there's just more, a little bit more of a business-like approach this year based on how the, the – especially from the leaders and whatnot, based on how the year ended last year. So, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I don't really put much stock in that. And, of course, he did have a little bit of a rough one last week, but a lot of players did. So, so be it. Uh, let's get to – uh, what you think is going to happen, my friend. Um, you you always make friends with our YouTube commenters after the fact and or live chatters after because they always, I don't know if you, I, I don't pin them because I'm like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction. They always say, John, 
how do you feel now that you pick you pick against the Bengals? And of course, the, the, there's an underlying thing there. I, if you don't know, you don't know. Whatever, John. I think I know what, what direction you're going to go this week. But let's uh, let's talk about it. Predictions. How do you see this one going? Maybe a score. I, I guess the other element, aside from who do you think is going to win, is this going to be one of those like uh, really kind of not very high on the scoring end and surprise us a little bit, or do you think this is going to be an absolute shootout? I kind of agree with that first sentiment. I feel like the over-under in this one is like, I think it's 49 or 50, something right. like that. Yeah. And it would not shock me at all if it's under that. Not necessarily because um, like both defenses are going to dominate, but like these teams are really evenly matched, and that can go one or two ways. It could be the reincarnation of that 2018 Monday night game against the Rams and Chiefs when there was like a 1,000 total yards since the greatest game ever. It's the, the hype for this game is certainly being billed like it's going to be the next version of that game. But it wouldn't surprise me if this was more in like the mid to low 20s just because both teams have really equal strengths all over, all across the board. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we, we, we can talk about the, the deficiencies that the Bills have in the secondary, but I mean, the Bengals secondary... Is working well as a unit, but there there are still some weak points. Like Cam Taylor Britt is definitely an imperfect player as a rookie. Eli Apple, we can say the same thing about him as like a six year player. It's going to be really tough for the Bengals safeties to stay on top of some of these routes. Like the the Bills should have success, just like the Bengals should have success against that secondary. I guess the the biggest difference here is that one quarterback uh, ends up playing more efficient than the other on a regular basis, and it's a matter of if Josh Allen's going to have more incredibly positive plays compared to incredibly negative. And it's up to the Bengals to really take advantage of that. The, the Buccaneers game to me was such this anomaly because th there's been a lot of instances where the Bengals have been really close on capitalizing on turnovers, but they were just a little short. And then that game was just like this release of catharsis. Like, oh, it's turnover after turnover after turnover after turnover. It was like making up for a lot of close calls in, in recent past. So I don't, I don't feel like it's going to be like a multi-interception game from Josh Allen. He's still liable to really play well. But I feel like when you balance all these strengths against one another, the difference might just be in which quarterback makes the least amount of, amount of mistakes because both quarterbacks should have a good game. And I feel like that kind of favors the Bengals in this one. Even if there are issues with pass protection on the right side, the Bills should have just as many issues with their own pass protection. And they've, and they've been able to overcome it, but sometimes it's gotten in their way. So I feel like... With, with all this balance for both sides, the Bengals probably have the slight edge in this one, and they're also playing at home. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Bills 27, Bengals 26. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse because you, you said it so eloquently there in terms of the, the different elements of this. I do see this as potentially, though, a I don't know multi interception game from Josh Allen, but maybe a multi turnover game. You know, maybe one interception, one fumble, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I am uh, I'm going to worry about the right tackle position for the Bengals until it's until it's proven that I don't need to worry about it anymore. You know what I mean? I mean it's just it is what it is, and I know Lael Collins wasn't an absolute perfect right tackle, but he was a pretty good one in a lot of different respects. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, the Bengals offensive line was playing at a much better level towards the middle and end of this season than they did at the beginning of this season. And definitely last year. So, uh, and he was part of that. So I, I'm, I'm going to worry about the right tackle spot until I don't need to worry about it anymore. And, uh, with that, I, I think, as we said, you know, we this game is being touted because of the quarterbacks, because of the wide receivers, because of 
you know, the multi multitude of talent on the offensive side of the ball for both both teams that we forget that these are two very well coached defenses. We forget that these defenses can do things to stop the other team. And this may be quite honestly, this may not be the type of game uh, that a lot of people think it is. Uh, it's going to be in terms of those outside of the Buffalo and Bengals circles um, in terms of total points. And that's, you know, when you look at this game, you go, oh, Bengals, Bills, and you see the over-under set at 49, you go, what? So obviously some people know some things that others maybe do not. I'm going to go 24-23 Cincinnati. Uh, probably whoever has the ball last type of thing gets the W. And I assume that that's going to be the Bengals in some capacity. And maybe Evan Mack, Money Mack, redeems himself from last week with a game, one of those clutch game winners against a big team. Either way, John, this is a going to be a really fun end of the season in terms of playoff seating where the Bengals are. They've already punched their ticket. Now it's uh, where's that ticket going to be? Is it going to be at home? Is it going to be taking a week off? Is it going to be, uh, you know, what, what things are going to be coming up here? But we've got a lot of things to help get you covered on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and it won't be via phone i promise you in terms of the via stuff the the, the live stuff here uh I, I will i will be back with other uh better equipment i promise today was just an anomaly for those watching it but we've had a lot of live viewers and we appreciate that across the various platforms in which we stream so thank you very much again go get the show cincy jungle podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer or through the cincy jungle facebook page give that a like give our uh youtube channel a like as well We've got a couple of uh, different, like I said, some, some cool stuff that we'll be bringing you as the season wraps up and into the postseason. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. And, hey, enjoy this one. Um, you know, you're, you get to kind of maybe some people will still be recovering a little bit on the on the second from their New Year's celebration. Who knows? But uh, either way, a lot of good football this weekend. So enjoy it, John. Thank you for uh, hanging in there with everything I had going on equipment-wise today and carrying the show, my friend. I appreciate you greatly. Yeah, you know what? Go Broncos, go Steelers. And, yeah, we'll see you guys on Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever else we're back. All right. Take care.